All right, we are live. Welcome back to another episode of The Event Hustlers. My name is Liz King Caruso, and I am pleased to be here today with William Warren from The Sketch Effect. This is a conversation we like to have every week with industry leaders. We talk about all kinds of things on this show and really excited to do this live. We have uh, the stream going out on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. So if you are watching us live, be a part of the conversation, put some comments in, leave us your questions, and I'll remind you to do that as we go along. But first, let me give a warm welcome to William. William, thank you so much for joining today. Thanks, Liz. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I love these conversations. I try to keep them super casual. It's just a great opportunity to get to know rock stars in the industry who are doing very interesting things. And, you know, our industry has no shortage of amazing people <laughs> to talk to. So I, I had shared a few kind of like starter questions that I would love to ask you and learn a little more about your work. But we do have some live viewers. Um, so for those who may not have heard of William Warren from The Sketch Effect, can you tell us a little more about you, your background, the work that you're doing now? And then we can kind of dive into other stuff. Yeah, I'd love to. So at The Sketch Effect, we consider ourselves a visual communications business. And what that basically means is we use visuals, be it animation or sketching or design. We use visuals to help our clients communicate their ideas more effectively. So we're not uh, an art company. We're not even an events company. We're a communication company that happens to use art and help and use uh, visuals to help our clients communicate their ideas. And that usually takes the form of animated videos and also sketching at live events. So I'm sure that's probably what we're going to spend the bulk of our time talking about. But our business specializes in attending live events, uh, now virtual. Uh, yeah. If you didn't notice, we're doing virtual events. Uh, <laughs> but we attend events. And while there's content being discussed, whether it be at a keynote speaker or a panel discussion or a breakout session, whatever it is, our artists can be there present, listening, synthesizing, and turning those big ideas into a really awesome sketch takeaway. So that's us. Uh, we're having a lot of fun. Obviously, 2020 was severely disruptive, as it was for you and I'm sure many of your listeners, but we're, we're hanging in there, we're innovating, and we're uh, making the most of it. Yeah. I mean, I love to hear kind of that business side of things. So many of the people in our audience are independent event professionals, whether they're planners or suppliers or whatever category they fit in, they run their own businesses just like you and I do. Um, and so I know you mentioned that, you know, this is not just the application is not only for the events industry. There's a lot of other things that you, you know, you work on. How did it come about that you started doing this for live events? Is this something you've always been doing or was it kind of like, oh, we can also use our skills in this way? Or was it clients who came to you? How did you know that this was a good way to kind of use your skills and your team skills? Great question. So I sort of backed into this work and I'll rewind a little bit. Uh, several years ago, eight or so years ago, I worked in corporate marketing now, before that, I also had a background in art and illustration. I got my master's degree in illustration from the Savannah College of Art and Design here in Atlanta, and then a few twists and turns and ended up in a marketing role, uh, a corporate marketing role. So for me, I found myself in this role doing work that was, for the most part, not creative in the sense that I wasn't drawing, I wasn't illustrating. So in order to have a creative outlet in the context of that job, I would sketch during meetings. Uh, if it was a meeting that I was attending, I would have a notebook, I'd have my markers and I would be sketching in my notebook. If it was a meeting that our team was leading, I might even hop up on the whiteboard and sketch the ideas on the whiteboard for people to watch. 
if I was giving a presentation, I might scan, uh, sketch out my ideas, scan them in and put them into my slide deck. And so for me, this was just a creative outlet, just a way for me to draw in the context mm -hmm. of my mostly largely uncreative marketing role. Not that it, not that we're doing creative work, but I wasn't, you know, drawing in that, in the context right. of that role. So for me, it was mostly a creative outlet. When the light turned on, when the switch flipped was when I realized that people around me saw value in that. They saw the sketching I was doing and they said, hey, this is making this presentation better. This is making this meeting better. This is making our output, our work more effective. So that's when I, I dug in, I learned a little bit about the industry. I learned that there was this thing called graphic recording or sketch noting, which was an industry that already existed. I learned more about it and I thought, you know what? I think I can do that. So a few months later, I quit that job and started the sketch effect. That was about seven years ago. And yeah, we have positioned ourselves as a, uh, a value add for events, a value add for meetings, um, a partner in those events and meetings to make the meetings more effective, to help visualize what's happening, and then to get people excited and create a valuable takeaway for after the fact. Yeah, I mean, so many successful business owners that I talk to, it's a very similar story. It's like, well, I was doing this thing I really loved in a totally not related context. And everyone just kept saying, hey, you're so good at that thing, you know, and then I suddenly realized, hey, I can make a whole business out of this. Right. Like, Amazing. <laughs> I think a lot of times it's the validation from other people. Sometimes you're just naturally so good at something. It doesn't occur to you that it, it would be valuable to people where maybe that's, you know, not their skill set. That's kind of how in the events industry, I got connected to event tech because I just kept, I was just interested in it. You know, I was right. just tweeting and blogging and doing all these things. And then it was p other people who came to me and said, Hey, can you do social media for our events? Can you create a social media lounge? Can you do this? Right. Can you do that? And I started thinking, Oh, that could be like a niche. You know? Yeah. And I'll, and I'll pay <laughs> you to do it. I'll pay you to do it too. Like I, I, I yeah. your, your work is so good. It's so great. I'm going to give you money to come do this for my event. And that's when, yeah, that's when the light bulbs go off. Yeah. The stars start to align. So tell me about 2020. I mean, obviously impacts every business. What has this past year been like? And what are you thinking for 2021? How's it looking? Right. So 2020, glad that it's in the rearview mirror. It was incredibly disruptive. I mean, to give you a bit of context, in 2019, we sketched over, I want to say well over 200 events for our clients. This was the biggest revenue for us as a business. We were fired up for 2020 ready to rock and roll, had big goals. And then in March, surprise, every event gets canceled. Every event gets postponed. And that revenue stream dried up virtually overnight. So we did not sit around. We did not just be sad and kind of whine about it. We moved quickly. We learned that there was this whole world of virtual events. And in fact, we actually knew already about virtual events. We had sketched a few in the years past. It was always a peripheral thing for us. It was never the main thing, but we realized Virtual events, at least for now, are going to be the main thing for our yeah. business. We need to learn it. We need to get good at it. We need to perfect it. And we need to market it and sell it and promote it. So that's what we did. We mobilized quickly to make uh, a new website, a new web page, some marketing materials. We perfected the product. Thankfully, all of our team was already equipped with the resources and the tools to do virtual sketching, which is simply they had an iPad. They had their Apple Pencil. They had the program. They'd already been trained. So we were able to move quickly. We start promoting it and selling it. And of course, I'm, I'm sure as many of your listeners can relate, the springtime was a little bit slow. You know, people were figuring out virtual events. Summer started to pick up. We realized, hey, this COVID thing is not going away anytime soon. So we need to do this well. And then the fall and the winter for us were incredibly busy. So 
if you look at our, our business kind of revenue, it was sort of a hockey stick sort of thing yeah. where the, where quarter three was quarter one and two were just garbage. It was awful and terrible. And, you know, we just weathered through that, but then Q3 was great. And then Q4 was actually our best quarter in company history. Wow. So we have a little bit of momentum right now. We're really excited about it. And, you know, we're just excited to keep, keep exploring and, you know, virtual events are getting better there. People are learning to do them better. We're trying new things. And so we're kind of riding the wave with everybody else, just wanting to add value, making virtual events better. That's what we're all about. And, you know, as we look to 2021, you know, I, I know a lot of people are very excited about hybrid and in-person coming back. And it, it almost opens the gate now to have double the business that we were having before, because we have, you know, all the virtual new business that you've been doing. And then you can add into that the in-person stuff coming back and right. in some ways events going hybrid in the middle of that that might add something new. Um, I think it's a positive outlook, right? For 2021. <laughs> right. I mean, there, there could be a really amazing uh, thing that comes out of this. I'm a firm believer that every crisis is an opportunity in disguise. And yeah. so I think that when we get through this, whenever, however we define that end point, cause it's probably not going to be a definitive right. end. it's probably going to be this sort of blend into whatever's next. But I, I see a future where we're doing both tons of live events and tons of virtual events and tons of yeah. hybrid events. The thing is that people now have a taste for virtual events some people love them. They love being able to sit on their couch and attend an event. And especially the introverts, not have to mingle with anybody. They just get the content, they get the experience, whatever. And then they get to go about their day, um, especially for, for busier professionals who might not have the time to fly to Las Vegas for a big blowout convention. They can attend the virtual version of it at home. But for those of us that also really do love events, you know, hopefully those will come back too. And so we'll be kind of in this nice middle ground where, both are an option for people and people kind of pick and choose what is yeah. their flavor, what's their flavor of event. I mean, you talked about graphic recording and how it kind of enhances the event. Obviously there's an engagement factor. I, I have seen it at many in-person events and I think it's very impactful, but I do think it has kind of a special place with virtual events because people are kind of staring at a screen for so right. long and, you know, in person, it's like you can be distracted by so many things, just the venue, the other people in the room, in virtual, it's like looking at one piece of content. And so the idea that there's this second thing and it's happening in real time. And I, I'm sure you must be seeing that in the virtual space, there's really a value to that kind of extra engagement that a lot of events don't have when it's just, well, like this, two talking right. heads. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> With virtual events, there's really two dials you can turn. The, the, verbal, the, the, the verbal and the visual, the audio and the visual, what people see and what people hear. And so for us at the sketch effect, we really do talk about the fact that event organizers really need to be extra intentional about what people see, you know, with an in-person event, you can engage all five senses. Like I said, with virtual events, you only get two, you gotta, you gotta go all in on those two senses, what they're hearing, what they're seeing. And like you mentioned, when people are attending a virtual event, they're on a screen and there's a bazillion other things on the internet competing for their attention. So if your virtual event isn't better than Facebook, it's not better than Tumblr. It's not better than Twitter, not better than their email. If it's not better than all these things, people are going to click away to the next shiny, more exciting distraction. So what we say at the sketch effect is that you need to be provided. You need to be providing interesting visuals that keep people locked onto the screen. And so sketch effect live, graphic recording, live sketching is one way to, to do that. 
So tell me, uh, right before we went on our on air or whatever on the show, you mentioned WilliamCWarren.com. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Correct. Yeah. So I'm a creative. I've sort of backed my way into this world of business. I'm loving it. I love being an entrepreneur. It wasn't always what I wanted to do. I always wanted to draw. That's sort of my first love. And so I. this is a new thing. I started working on it in 2020 in quarantine. <laughs> I wanted to create a platform for creatives where they could go for no nonsense business advice. So any creative who's interested in starting a freelance business or going on their own or a side hustle business or a full-blown company that's creative, I wanted to create a resource for them where they can go for just some practical, actionable advice. So yeah, it's williamcwarren.com. Also on Instagram at williamcwarren posting content right now. I have some thoughts about doing a podcast and building a community, but for now, this is just the early stages of this platform. So if anyone's interested, I'd love for them to check it out. Awesome. And uh, we do have some people who are watching live. So thank you for joining us, whether you're watching on Facebook, LinkedIn, or YouTube. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to put them in the comment section of wherever you're watching. We'll see them and try to work them into the conversation. Uh, and this, of course, the audio will be available on SoundCloud and iTunes and on our blog. So people may be watching this afterwards as well. So we encourage them to check out the Sketch Effect and this new site, WilliamCWarren.com, right? Correct. Correct. So uh, you mentioned this new platform is all about no-nonsense business advice, which I'm all about. What is one big business lesson that you wish people would just know and embrace, especially as we look to 2021 with all of the craziness of 2020 in the close rearview mirror, <laughs> but right. you know, technically in the past now. One big bit of advice, and I would give this to myself, you know, you know, five, six years ago is to delegate as soon as you possibly and responsibly can. I know for a lot of small business people, for people that are doing their own thing. They think they can do it all themselves. They're trying to be lean. They're trying to be scrappy. I think that's all really, really good. But you get to a point where you realize my time could be spent. My time could be better spent doing this other thing. You know, I'm spending all my time doing something I'm not very good at. I don't really like, or someone else could do that. Those things should be delegated. They should be delegated as soon as you reasonably can. And I'm learning this every day. I, there's still things that I need to be getting off my plate. Um, but the biggest private of lesson that I've been harping on lately is this idea of knowing what your time is worth and then ruthlessly delegating away the stuff that's not worth your time because that's the way that you unlock the most growth over the long term is by redeploying your time towards the most critical tasks that you can do at that moment. So that's one thing that I've been talking about lately. There's a lot of other ideas floating around my mind. Yeah. Specifically related to 2020 is this idea of just resilience. I think it's, you know, everyone talks about resilience, but it, it really is a real thing. 2020 put everyone's resilience to the test. Yes. So if you if you're looking to go the small business route, you need to be putting into place rhythms that build resilience and build mental toughness and because the hard days will come and you need to be ready for those. So those are a couple ideas. Yeah, thank you. I the delegation thing is something that hits me every time. It's it's something I really need to learn better myself and even at now as we're kind of like building I'm starting to build a team and, you know, really understanding that not only is there, there are certain things I'm just not as good at, or I just don't have, you know, everyone has a limit in terms of the number of hours they have in a day. But more importantly, there are people who are much better at other things and it unlocks right. this potential for growth when you're not holding the ceiling on your company because you think you have to be doing it all or right. you 
think beyond yourself to share it with other people so that they can, you know, and it, it's a hard thing, I think, for a lot of smaller business owners, figuring out, you know, hiring a team obviously costs money. And there's a lot of things you have to figure out. Um, but it really can unlock that growth. And I think I've been seeing so many event businesses that are talking about this now, because I think everyone's been experiencing a very similar trajectory. It was like 2020 looked amazing, so promising, tons of, you know, contracts lined up looking great. Then COVID hits, and it was just frozen. What's happening? What are we doing now? And then, you know, you kind of work your way back. And now we're seeing event businesses, obviously not all, but many that are busier than they've ever been. It's insane. And now they are really thinking they have to build a team. So you mentioned you have multiple artists on your team, correct? How big is your team that you're working with? So we have a home office squad. Most of our home office team are operational folks. We have we do have some animators and illustrators um, and also salespeople on staff. The bulk of our live event artists, our contractors are spread all over the country. They do fantastic work. Before, you know, we would attend events in person. It was yeah. nice to have a spread out diversified team. Now it's less relevant because now we are doing our work from our, our homes, our offices, wherever. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we have an amazing team. They're fantastically creative. They do incredible work and they're just really nice, really good people. That's one thing that we've really emphasized with our hiring is that if we're going to be joining other people's meetings, working alongside closely with people, we need to be hiring nice, easygoing people. And so that's one thing that we've really emphasized in our hiring is searching, searching for people that are, that are pleasant to work with. <laughs> Always important. Finding yeah. people that you enjoy working with. It's shocking how many people overlook that. It's like, you know, <laughs> nobody wants to work with a jerk. Like nobody wants to work with, a, you know, someone that they don't like. So yeah, there's that like very unique case where someone is just so talented at what they do. You just right. kind of leave them in their corner and let them be. Yeah. But I, I would even argue that a, a vendor will choose someone they like working with more who's nicer and maybe even maybe the, the work is maybe a little bit not as high a quality as the other guy over the other person anytime. I, that's yeah. my personal theory. Our work is exceptionally high quality, I will say. Uh, but, you know, that's just my my hunch. No, I, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, people hire companies where they like the people they want to work with the people they're hiring. It's not right. about the company track record or the name of the company. You know, I, I, I know so many people who are building out these fancy websites and, and like dropping these awards. You know, no one really cares at the end of the day. If you have a good conversation with the client, I, I have one coach that I had hired many years ago, a few years ago, and she told me something that made a lot of sense, which is if you can connect with your target customer and you can convince them that you understand what their problem is and that you can solve their problem, you can sell them any service. It's right. not so much about the service listing and, and it's not even really about the cost. They'll pay 10 times more than what they were thinking they would pay if they're really convinced you understand what they need. Um, and that's always been an interesting lesson for me. Right. And that's part of the value proposition you bring to the table. And that's one thing that I have talked about on my new platform is that when we're offering our products to the world, we need to be thinking less about how much is this product worth and more about what value am I bringing to the table? Because there's value in offering a creative service, but there's also value in being friendly and there's value in responding quickly and there's value in doing what you promised you're going to do. And there's value in fulfilling your end of the contract. Those are yeah. all part of the value proposition. And so if, you know, if anybody, whoever they are, if they can add value in a lot of different ways versus just offering 
a product, then they'll win every time. Yeah, no, it's, it's so true. So you have a lot going on as we look to 2021. You have all these events happening. You have this new creative platform. Um, what are you most excited about for the industry, kind of just the big outlook? I mean, we talked about a few things, but if you had to just kind of narrow it down to one big thing, what would you say it is? It's a good question. I'm looking forward just to being back in person with people. I, I love live events. I think they're fantastic. I love virtual events too, but yeah. it's just nice. It's just fun to be close with people in a great location doing cool things. But to answer your question, I'm really excited about these hybrid events where they have, where event producers are hiring, hiring really amazing audiovisual teams and producing really great hybrid audiovisual content. I'm looking forward to having our artists in studios and sketching with multiple cameras all around. You know, yeah. we're not, we're not doing, we're not offering that right now with the Sketchback. We're not offering the camera, all that stuff, but I'm looking forward to partnering with amazing teams to bring exceptional visual content to these events. And I love the idea of being in person. There's something magical about seeing an artist work, actually seeing the physical person physically drawing. It's just magical. So I'm looking forward to collaborating with really great clients who want to put that type of excellent content out there, invite us into that process and then see the magic that happens. Yeah. Now, if you think that was a hard question, the next one's going to be even worse. And maybe you don't have an answer for sure. it. I didn't prep you for this one. But I do like to ask, um, just as you look forward, are there any things in the industry that you're worried about that you have a big concern? Um, for example, I'll give you a little time to think while I'm talking. Um, I think, for example, one thing I think about is virtual events and this ability to engage. You know, like you said, right. you're one tab away from losing a person completely. They could be completely gone. Um, and so I really, I stress a lot in our thinking about how we deliver products for our clients. One thing I really think about is how do we make it an experience that captures the attention? And especially as we start to go back to in-person, we need to make sure that hybrid is truly something that is engaging for both sides of the audience. And so I really hope that the events industry kind of plays the right game in terms of providing the value. The other concern that's kind of in tandem with this is people have been giving away everything for free for the last year in the virtual space. So if we want to be able to say that these are professional business events and they can be monetized, you know, I know that the the quality has to go up. So right. uh, this is not really tossing it to you. Obviously, that's not your problem to solve. That's just, you know, something I like to get the industry. I'm thinking about it. So I want to kind of put it out for other industry people. Is there anything that kind of keeps you up at night and you're like, man, I really hope we get this right. Or I'm really wondering what's going to happen if X happens in the industry. I am a little bit concerned about people's dwindling attention spans. Everything I read says that people are having a harder, harder time paying attention. And for virtual events to be successful, people need to pay attention. Yeah. You know, it's not a, virtual events need to be an active, engaging, participatory thing for people. It's not like a podcast where you can have it on in the background and make your lunch or work out or whatever. With virtual events, we need people engaged and attention spans are shorter than they've ever been. There's more and more flashy kind of quick content out there that gets people that fix and they move on. So I'm a little bit worried about that. You know, I think that there's innovators in the industry. Sure. You're, you're one of them, we're one of them. There's plenty out there who are addressing that challenge head on. So I just, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing to uh, fight that fight that dragon of people's short attention spans and, and yeah. find ways to keep them engaged. 
Yeah. I mean, I, none of these are impossible to accomplish, you know, but I think it's kind of those things, just being aware of the fact that that is a challenge gets us to really think outside the box when it comes to planning our events. I mean, to me, and you know, it's not, it wasn't set up this way to kind of swoop in and sell the sketch effect, but this is the kind of thing, what you guys are doing that, you know, a planner could look at and say, okay, we are, we really need to make our event different, engaging, you know, something more than, as you said, a podcast or a bunch of content that's just being spit out at you. And there are a lot of things you can do, the sketch effect being an example, you know, graphic recording and live sketching, all of this stuff that adds this visual element that really combats what you're talking about. But planners have to think about that. You know, it's just, it's not that they can't, but we all have a billion things on our minds. And so, you know, sometimes it's good to hear from other people, just things that, you know, we all should be thinking about. Um, exactly. So I thank you so much for your time. If people want to learn more about you, can you, we're going to put some links in the blog recap, but where would you like to send people to kind of get to know you more? Sure. Yeah. If you want to follow me, like I said, I'm on Instagram at williamcwarren.com. Um, and also on the website, williamcwarren.com. If you're interested in learning about the sketch effect and live events and what we're doing to make live events better, virtual events better, uh, they can go to thesketcheffect.com. Pretty simple. Just reach out. You know, we'll get back to you right away if someone wants to learn how we work or process pricing, all that information. But uh, Liz, this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate the opportunity to come and share. I think events are awesome. I love people like you who are pioneering and trying to make them as best as possible. We need more people like that. And so it was quite a pleasure. Thank you. I love having these conversations. I mean, you know, as I'm sure you realize from whatever I sent you, I don't even know what questions I sent you. It always goes on its own path. Um, but really, you know, fun conversations and learning a lot. I mean, I, it's a great conversation to talk about delegation and engagement and things that maybe we didn't say we were going to talk about. Yeah, it's um, fun. I love, I love <laughs> the kind of casual nature of this. This is great. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, for those of you who are watching live, thank you for your comments and for just watching and consuming more content, which I'm sure you have enough of these days. We are doing this show every Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Next week, we're going to be talking to Jody Katzman. She is, uh, I have been calling her at least, the COVID compliance queen. I believe she has taken eight out of the nine COVID compliance certificates. And so we are going to learn from her. What should we be knowing? Which of these certificates is worth investing in and, and learning more about? So that's next week's topic. We hope you will see well, we hope to see you there. And we will have the blog recap of this episode available this week on TexiTalk.com. So thanks again, William. And I hope everyone will connect and learn more about all the great work that you're doing. Thank you. Take care.